All right. Well, um, the last time, the last number of times that I've been um, uh, sharing, opening God's Word with you, we were in the Old Testament. We were going through the not-so-minor prophet of Habakkuk, um, and so we concluded that. Uh, but it's on your bulletin there if you, uh, if you have that with you and you want to be taking notes. The theme of that study was there, and I'll just read it for you. It's right there, again, if you're, if you're looking at your bulletin. A proper understanding of the sovereign character of God enables a steadfast life of faith. And what I want to do here over the next couple times that, uh, that I'm with you, that I open God's Word here with you, is to kind of pick up, uh, at least on that theme, um, and then as we're going forward. But as us having been in the Old Testament, uh, now we'll make our way over to the New Testament, and we'll spend some time uh, there, at least uh, as, as um, I have opportunity to, to, uh, to preach. And so what we're going to do is this. In the spirit of uh, the time that we find ourselves in, uh, the time and place as a church, and uh, if anything, it's fair to say that we are definitely in a season of prayer as we still continue to seek um, God's leading regarding the next uh, pastor to uh, be the... Um, uh, shepherd, the uh, over-shepherd uh, for us, um, and, uh, and guide us into the uh, future, and open God's Word for us, and, and all of the duties that he will, he will have. What I would like to do is this. I would like to take time to look at prayers in Scripture. And uh, if there's anything that, uh, that is very instructive for us and helpful for us as we pray and want to grow in our prayer life, it certainly is, number one, we need to grow in our theology. Uh, let me just, since we're talking bulletin stuff, go ahead and look again at your bulletin, but flip over to the side that gives you the order of service. Second uh, Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And of course, that's what we want to do. And we want to continually grow in our knowledge and understanding of the Lord. So certainly that informs our prayer. But also as we study, the prayers that we find in Scripture are very helpful to us. So um, last fall, Pastor Kurt uh, did a number of sermons for us through um, Ephesians. And we find ourselves there again here this morning. So if you want to turn to Ephesians, we'll be there. And there are two prayers that Paul offers uh, to the uh, for the Ephesian believers. The first is in chapter 1, uh, so we'll spend this time and the next time looking at that one. And then the next one is in chapter 3. And if the Lord provides an opportunity to, to preach again, we'll, we'll uh, uh, look at that one uh, sometime down the road in the future. So even before we get started, uh, what I want to do is just go ahead and read the text. And then what I'm going to do is when we get down to the prayer... Uh, for us to open, uh, to pray once again for the sermon, we're actually going to pray the prayer for us. Okay, so if, if you have your Bibles um, and you want to look in your, in, uh, in your Bibles or on your phone or just follow on the screen behind me, all of those are fine. So I'll remind you again of this. Okay, Paul has been unpacking rich, rich doctrine, the doctrine of salvation as he lays it out as it comes to us in through every person of the Trinity in the first um, 14 verses there. Okay? This is where we pick up our text here this morning. Um, and this is God's word for his people. So listen as we um, read. And then, by the way, when, we, when, I, when I pray, I'll let you know when we pray. You don't have to close your eyes. Keep your eyes on the text okay, as we pray together as well. All right. So this is where we pick up verse number 15. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, 
is writing this again after he lays out this doctrine of uh, salvation as it relates to all persons of the Trinity. He says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So, now let's go ahead and pray to uh, before we before we jump into the text here. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us and your good gifts to us, especially in your um, salvation that you've given to us and all the riches that we have in Christ uh, that you have explained to us here in the first chapter of Ephesians. We pray, Lord, that, uh, that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that you may give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Having our eyes, the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which you have called us and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance, of our glorious inheritance, um, of Christ's glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of Christ's power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. And Lord, it's the, it's the power that you've given to us that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him in the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Lord, help us to know this power in our lives. And may us studying the text of this prayer help us in that process, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we're going to take a few moments to, uh, to look at this here this morning. And um, what I'm going to say is the prayer actually kind of extends past our text. There's just too much uh, to get to this morning. So we're going to kind of break it up and uh, we'll get to the rest of it here next time. All right. So let's just park by this text here for a little bit, though. So um, as we are thinking about this and getting our minds in the way, I do want to say something about the riches that we have in Christ that is mentioned in the first part of that chapter. And uh, in just alluding to that, there, there's a story that's told of uh, someone in American history quite some time ago. I don't know about you. I do tend to like history, much to the chagrin of my kids. By the way, we're getting ready to head to the Outer Banks. But before we get there, we're going to go to Jamestown, right? We're going to hit a few other places. Bush Gardens the day before, so we're balancing it out. But we are the family that's there, and I'm like, do you know what happened here? And they're like, what is it, Dad? Okay. So, in that spirit, let me, I'm sure most of you have heard of William Randolph Hearst. Okay, he's a well-known newspaper uh, publisher. Um, and, of course, this was over 100 years ago here in uh, America. But he founded what's known, uh, that is now a multi-billion dollar, the Hearst Communications. Um, and anyway, the story is told with, with all of his wealth and money. Okay, he liked to accumulate things from all over uh, the world, valuable things, obviously. And there was a particular piece of art that he was particularly intrigued by. And so he wanted his folks to go out and find it because he wanted to buy it and add it to his, his collection. Um, and so when he did that, they searched for a month trying to find this, only to find it in his warehouse. He already owned it. Okay, My point is this. Uh, we're not going to unpack 
the first 14 verses there. Uh, Pastor Kurt did that for us in the fall, but I do invite you to go back and read it again. The riches that we have and the Father choosing us and Jesus providing redemption for us, the Holy Spirit guaranteeing our salvation. And you can read all of the intricacies of that in the first 14 verses. All that to say this, how often in our lives do we seek for peace and we seek for joy and we seek for contentment and satisfaction only to find we already have that. We already have that. Okay? So really, as we do that, this really is kind of the basis for this prayer that we're going to be looking at here this morning. We, we have this reality. Yes, it is a, it's spiritual riches, okay? But it's the kind of riches that, praise the Lord, inflation can't touch, okay? Or anything else that comes uh, from that. But we have all these riches in Christ that are available um, to us. So... Um, we're reminded of this immeasurable treasure and these blessings that we have in Christ. And so then we, out of that, live a life of gratitude and a life of, um, of service. Okay, And as we, as we really kind of look, if, you can't do this on the screen. If you have your Bible, it's easier if you have a printed copy, but maybe if you're printed too. If you just kind of flip through the book of Ephesians. Okay, So he unpacks that. And he goes on how it's uh, granted to us by grace through faith. And then, of course, uh, he'll lay that out as, as that um, impacts us in our life, in the body of Christ here, in our corporate uh, body here, in our own individual homes. Okay, what does that look like in the home? Okay, just as we are living life and facing a spiritual warfare, all of that is kind of as we kind of work our way through the rest um, of Ephesians, the impact of these riches that we already have in Christ. Okay, so as we do that, I think it's also fair for us to remember when Paul's writing this. This is one of the prison epistles. So when Paul is imprisoned in Rome, he's pinning this. So when he's writing about these things, this is where his mind is. So regardless of what we're facing in life, we always can come back and remember who we are in Christ, how loved we are in Christ, which, by the way, I think it's fair for us not just to remind the kids, but to remind all of us, you are loved you are loved. If you're not sure, read the first part of Ephesians 1 again. Okay? We are loved. And He has bestowed wonderful riches upon us because He loves us. Okay? And He wants us to enjoy those. So with that, what I want us to consider here this morning as we're praying is we are praying to a sovereign God. Again, this picks up on what we were talking about out of Habakkuk, but praying to a sovereign God from a heart of gratitude for growth in grace, for growth in grace. That's what we're going to be thinking about here this morning. And even as we, um, you know, connect it with, with Father's Day, the way that we can do what we need to do as fathers is to do this. And the way that we can be good fathers is to encourage our kids in this. Um, now, obviously, they have um, their own will, uh, but certainly to point them to uh, the Lord and um, and the riches that we have in Him. All right, so let's go ahead and, and look at our text. So when we when we just pick it up right in um, verse number fifteen, uh, I won't belabor the point. But for this reason, he's unpacking. He's really saying on 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 behalf of everything that I've just said. Okay, and then he's heard of their their faith and their love. Okay, so when I'm saying that. The disposition that he's coming to when he offers this prayer is from a heart of gratitude, a heart of gratitude. This isn't 
unfamiliar for Paul to do this. Okay, I mentioned that we're going to be looking at prayers. There are a number of prayers in Scripture that we could, we could go and look at. But you see Paul often doing this. He's writing a letter to a church that he established on one of his missionary journeys. And as he's writing back to them, he prays for them. And we have that recorded in Scripture. So whether it's Colossians 1 or 1 Thessalonians 1 and so on and so forth. You find this throughout Scripture. Uh, you, at least we're talking about the epistles. But you find prayers in the Old Testament as well. But it's from this heart of gratitude that we're exhorted to have as well. So on the basis of these spiritual blessings, for this reason, Paul prays uh, that, the, um, that these believers would grow. And he does that first in praising them for two vital characteristics that he sees in them, that they have testimony of, that they, they model and they exhibit. And these are type of things that I think are, um, are uh, instructive for us. Okay, So it is, he's grateful for their faith, and he's grateful for their, for their, uh, for their love. So he praises them based on the salvation and all these riches they have in him, that the Father chose us, again the Son redeemed us, and the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. So, yes, we, it's, it's coming to salvation. We can think of places like Romans, you know, um, chapter 10, if you confess your mouth uh, with the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But what he's talking about here is they're continuing in that faith. Okay? They are known for this. They're living out their faith. So even as Paul instructed Timothy, you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, from childhood, okay, he was instructed through faith in Christ. So we don't want to emulate Hurst, right, and forget what we already have. We want to remember the riches we have in Christ and continue in that, continuing in the things that we have learned, living that out. That is what the Ephesian believers uh, did. And I think that just pausing for a second to recognize that motivates us, should motivate us, in two ways. Okay, If we think about that from the standpoint of the Ephesian believers, are we growing in our faith? And not just going through the motions, but really continuing in that, growing in that. Okay, But also from Paul's perspective, are we looking for that in others? Okay, Because what I'm just kind of going to point out here is there is a reciprocal nature to this okay, of, of mutual in, encouragement. So as Paul is... Um, seeing them continue. Okay, look at verse number 16. I do not cease to give, uh, to give thanks for you, praying for you. They're continuing. He's not ceasing. Okay? And then you find this mutual encouragement as they're stirring one another up to love and good works. I think that's instructive for us. And I would say, I think, as a part of this church, it, just to encourage us to keep doing it. Because I think we are doing it. Okay, but to keep doing that and growing that, encouraging each other um, to grow in faith. So he's, he's grateful for their faith, but he's also grateful for their love, which you see that again in verse number 15. So a mark of real salvation is love. Okay, so when we, if you were to ask me, this is a hard question. Okay, so if you were to say, what's one word that defines the Christian life? Well, let me ask you, what's one word that defines the Christian life? Joy? See, I, it's a hard one, because there's... Is there one? Okay? Because joy, I... See, Roger, why'd you have to do that? Now you're going to make me go back on what I was going to say. Okay. 
Because I would say, I would say, suggest love. Okay? Though certainly there's a lot. Joy as well. I mean, but that proves the point. Okay? It's a hard one to answer. But when we say love, so kids, let's, let's do this. What is the first and greatest commandment? Unfortunately, I don't have any prizes to give like Miss Dean does. Do you know it? Okay, that's the second. We're getting it to. What's the first one? Love. Yes. Love Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then you already mentioned the second, to love your neighbor or to love others. Okay, so, and in this, we have uh, a summary of the law of God. So you don't have to turn to it, but love of God and love for other believers, we do see... um, a lot of this, I think, clearly laid out for us in First John. So let me just read a number of verses uh, for you. If you want to turn there and kind of flip back and forth, you can, uh, but you don't have to. So in First John 5, 1, we read this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Again, I'm saying that a mark of real salvation is love. Second, First uh, John two ten says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. First uh, John 3:10. Uh, by this it is evident that uh, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And by the way, I think that might spur uh, your mind to jump back to the gospel. Um, of John chapter 13. Remember when Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, but, uh, but back in First uh, John three sixteen through 18. Um, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us love let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. So we know, we know this. Love is a verb, right? It, so it's not in, in word, in word doesn't mean much. In deed is when you know that it is there. And so we would go to places like 1 Corinthians 13 to know what that looks like, right? What does it look like when we do it? So just to remind you of that passage, this is what it looks like. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I think we could summarize it this way. Love is generosity at the expense of of self. I think that's a fair way to summarize it. Okay. So when Paul starts praying for the Ephesian believers, they're known for their faith and their love. So the question for us is, are we known for our love? And then are we stirring one another up to love and good deeds? So there you have it. Love and love in action. Right? Uh, love, uh, so let's let's do that. I think this. So I think that's instructive to us and and helpful for us first to recognize his attitude as he's starting to pray this for them and as he's uh, looking to them and seeing um, these type of things in their lives and is grateful for that. So 
with that, then he gets to the heart of his prayer. And this is where we're going to kind of dip our toe in it um, today. And then we will pick up on it uh, next time as well. But so if we're praying to a sovereign God, which again, if you go back to the first couple um, verses of the chapter, you see that. Even if we just start in that God chose us. Okay, so we're praying to a sovereign God from a heart of gratitude, which we just discussed, for growth in God's grace. Growth in God's grace. So what's the content of the prayer? The content um, of Paul's prayer here, um, that really extends to the end of, uh, of the chapter, is this. You look at verse number 17. That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So what I want to do next time is let's unpack that phrase, the Father of glory. Okay, that's the end of the prayer. That's where he kind of starts to really unpack that. And you can see that if you read down through it. We prayed that a few moments ago. But we'll specifically look at that uh, next time. So if you want the outline for next time, here it is. The Father of glory, because of his character displayed in his power, his saving power, his sovereign power, his sanctifying power. We'll look at that next time. But that's all at the end of the prayer. Okay, so this God is who we're praying to. Okay, a sovereign God who can answer prayer. And we started out our service in Hebrews, who is a high priest who, who loves us and empathizes with us, identifies with us. And, of course, we're invited to, to enter boldly into his throne room. Okay, that we would then grow in wisdom and understanding or spiritual insight. Okay, having a keen awareness of what we already have, this inheritance that we already have in Christ. Okay, in the beginning of chapter 1. So, it's fair to say, you know, what are you searching for? Or maybe better yet, let's remember what we already have. Because I will remind us from 1 Peter uh, 1.3, where it says this, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His glory and excellence. Okay, this is what we're to grow in. And let's just, I mean, for a moment of transparency, how many of us forget that? I do. I don't think I'm alone. I hope I'm not alone. We forget that, right? By the way, that's why we read our Bible. Okay, we come back and read God's Word, and God exhorts us to be in His Word night and day. Why? Because we need to remember. That's why in the Old Testament we see the remembering stones, right? We need that. We're thankful for uh, um, uh, the sacraments. Part of it is to remind us again. I mean, there's much more to the sacraments, but that's part of it. Okay. And so, um, so we need that. So to remember again the riches that we have, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And what specifically are we talking about? Look at this at the end of verse number 17. In the revelation of the knowledge of him. Okay, so as we're kind of inching our way into this, I just want us to pause for a second and, and at least acknowledge this. In the knowledge of Him, what is the greatest gift that God gives us in salvation? What's the main point of salvation? Okay, we hear a lot of people say, well, we're thankful that we're going to heaven. Oh, absolutely. But that's not the best gift. Okay? We're th- there's a lot of things that we have in salvation. 
the best gift that we have in salvation is this. The end of verse 17 is the knowledge of Him. Salvation gets us back to Him. In our sin, we're separated from Him. But through salvation that's provided in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, certainly to His glory alone, are we reconciled back to Him. So Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 3, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. Okay, so what's... Why is heaven heaven? Let's just put it that way. Because he's there. That's why. Right? That's why. Why is hell hell? Because he's not there. Okay? And we can unpack that and um, uh, certainly um, describe all the details about that. But it gets us back to him. So even when we think about what is uh, the main thing that we're kind of focused on, maybe your mind will run to places like he, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Right? where Paul says that I might know him. Okay? Just re- think about that for a minute. You, you probably remember the text. With what intensity is he pursuing Christ? I press towards the mark of the prize of the upward calling of God. Okay? Maximum intensity is what he's doing. That we may know him. Okay? And participate in the fellowship of his sufferings. Uh, and you remember the rest of the, uh, the passage there. So, what is Paul praying for here? As Paul is talking about in his own spiritual journey in Philippians chapter 3, he's praying that for the Ephesians believers here. It's that we may know Christ. It's that we may know Him. That we may press on to know Him. So the way he puts it here, that the Father of glory, okay, the kind of God who does all these great things in uh, the first part of chapter 1, and has given us these great riches that again you can read about in the first uh, number of verses, the kind of glory that we'll get to next time, read verses um, 20 down through the end of the chapter, okay? That God, that He may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That's how it comes. So as we're praying for wisdom for the next pastor and things, it comes here. We, maybe, perhaps your mind runs to places like, I feel like I go in my mind to this all the time, so I hope it's not worn out by those of you who hear me say this often, John chapter 15, where Jesus is instructing us as branches abide in the vine. Okay, we abide in Him, and that's how we produce fruit. Okay, we abide in Him. We remain or dwell in Him and in His love. Okay, that's what He's praying for the believers here. So the means by which He's uh, praying that for them is this, verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, I do want to mention this. I think it's helpful for us, in the spirit of Paul's letter to the Ephesian believers, okay, to keep things in context. In chapter 6, you'll remember as he's laying out all this doctrine in the front end, and he gets to all the pa- practical stuff in the back end, okay, as this impacts us in our lives, in chapter 6 he's going to start laying out uh, spiritual warfare. The armor that we have um, in God. Okay? And as we are engaged in spiritual warfare, we understand that. Uh, here's a kind of a side note, by the way. I, personal opinion, I think that the depictions of the, the armor of God as a cumbersome, clanky, medieval knight is not helpful. Okay? I want us all to think of it more like a Marvel hero. Okay? Nimble, flexible, yeah, all that. That's the truth, right? When we're wearing the armor of God, that's what it feels like when we're actually engaging in that. But... So in the spirit of Ephesians chapter 6, 
helping us understand what, uh, just unpacking this, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, okay, as we're considering this phrase. Can you think of another place in Scripture where Paul talks about spiritual warfare? Okay, I'm sure you're thinking, yes, I know it says it other places, but maybe the verses that you're thinking of are in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So where, you remember when he says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Okay, as you're thinking about that, okay, so we're engaged in the spiritual warfare. Okay, let me mention one other place uh, that he's describing this in 2 Corinthians, because I think what he, uh, Paul lays out for us is the chief business of our adversary. Okay, and I'll tell you how I think that it ties back into our text here. But he says this in 2 Corinthians, um, he says, In their case, speaking of unbelievers, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Okay. As the father of lies, one of his chief business that he that he's about doing is keeping people from seeing the glory of the gospel of Jesus. Okay, now, I will tell you what I think is that that's really what he wants to do for us too. To get us distracted and keep us from seeing the glory of the gospel of Jesus. Now look again with me again at verse number 17. We're talking about, we're praying to God, the God, the Lord of Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. This is the kind of thing, the kind of stuff that you step out there and you're like, this is amazing. When we see his glory and ascertain it for what it really is. Our hearts are so captivated by it that everything else loses power. Everything else loses attraction. If we want power over sin, this is it. The the problem when we sin, the problem when I sin, it's a worship problem. Same with you. We need to come back and see Jesus for who he really is. Then all of that stuff loses its power. Okay? So when we're praying here, that, that having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, it is a gift from the Holy Spirit when He illumines our hearts to see Jesus for who He really is. How great, how powerful, how beautiful He really is. You know, so then we're going to sing, um, um, I'd rather have Jesus. Yeah. Have you seen Him? Of course we would. That's what we're praying here. We need God's work. And, and of course, our uh, It's been said this way, our buckets leak, right? So we need God to continually be working and drawing us back to him, opening our eyes to see him, to see how beautiful and wonderful and powerful he is, that our hearts are captivated by him. And as we sing sometimes that we are lost in wonder and awe once again. What do we call that? One word, worship. That's what we call that. It's worship. That's what Paul's praying for them. Okay, so if you look again here at verse number 18, he's praying that they would have this, uh, that God would grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened. Okay, for what purpose? For what purpose? That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious uh, inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. So let me just mention these really quickly and we'll be done because he gives three prayer requests there. He's praying for three specific things. And you can see it there. I mean, in our English Bible, um, 
it's all outlined by the word what. But, uh, but as he's, he's praying specifically that God would work in their hearts and in their lives this way and enable them to see these things and understand these things so that it would impact them in, in the way that they live. Okay, so the first thing is this, as he's, as he's praying this, that they would grow in their understanding of God's hope. Verse number 18, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Okay, so when we're talking about this hope to which he has called us, it does us a little bit of a disservice just jumping right into the text like we did this morning to just look at his prayer. Had we, a week or two prior, been really spending, or maybe longer than that, actually, unpacking the first part of chapter 1, oh man, we would know exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about here. But when we're talking about the hope that we have, we, it is more of the, uh, this isn't some type of, oh, I really hope it happens, you know, um, you know, um, I hope the cooler weather stays longer. It's nicer than all the heat that we've been trying. It's not anything like that. This is like a, it's like an engagement ring. Okay, it's an earnest expectation. Okay, we really know that it's going to happen. So even at the end of the first section there in uh, John 15, we hear of the the guarantee. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Okay, um, that that's going to happen. So we're talking about the hope that we have. What are we talking about? Go back and read the first part of the chapter. All the riches that we have in Christ, that He's given to us. Okay. That's what we're talking about, this type of of hope. Let me go ahead and just read this in verse number 5. He has predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Okay? That kind of hope, a secured hope. So what he's praying here is that they would really grow in a deep and abiding, growing understanding of this uh, richness and treasure. Of that type of hope. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say it again. I mean, how often we get distracted and stuff and we forget. So let's just reminded, be reminded again of the hope that we have in him. But he not only prays for that. Here's the second request. Okay, also in verse number 18. Also, what are the riches? So not just that they've grown their understanding of God's hope, but they would understand, uh, grow in their understanding of God's riches. Again, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Okay, all of this, again, based on all that he has unpacked. So our minds have to remain. I know I keep saying the first verses there, but that's where it is. Okay, all of, um, all of the, I'm very tempted to go back and just read the first 14 verses, but I won't. Okay, but again, there, as he's unpacking all the riches and salvation that God has given to us, okay, and uh, through every member of the Trinity, you see him kind of outline that in the first number of that. Okay, those riches, are we growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and the riches that He has for us. If we struggle to feel loved, because it's Father's Day, okay, I'm not even going to look at notes. This is a beside, okay. Since it's Father's Day, and and Ed had mentioned this, and I think it's very good, sometimes our, our earthly fathers fail us. Okay, sometimes we get the idea that in order for us to, uh, to really be loved or feel loved, it's rooted in performance or it's rooted in what am, you know, okay, what's my intensity in pursuing the Lord or, you know, or, I mean, I think that's just human. 
right? I think we, that's just a natural thing. But if we're reminded that the, the true and living God is a covenant God, a covenant-keeping God, and His love for us is rooted in His covenant for us, okay? And as He has called us and loves us and gives us all of these riches in Him, it's not based on any of that. It's secured in His covenant. Let's take uh, encouragement in our Old Testament brothers and sisters, okay? If it was dependent on them, mm, and let me, let's be honest, how often are we really, we kind of live more like they do? Mm. Thank the Lord for His covenant love. And He keeps that, uh, He keeps that, His covenant. It's rooted in His steadfast love. The Hebrew word that I love so dearly is, I can't say my, I can't say my H's. Chesed. Okay? Okay, covenant keeping, loyal, okay, love, never enduring, uh, 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 never ending, always enduring love. Okay? That's how God loves us. So are we growing in our understanding of the riches that we have in Him rooted in His uh, covenant with us? The last one here, real quickly, is, uh, is this, and this is in verse number 19. The third prayer request is this And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power? You know, I, I think the word power communicates, um, I don't know, I mean, great, I mean, it, it, when you think of power, you think of big, and uh, how else would you say it? I mean, the word here in Greek is dunamis, okay, which is actually where we get our word dynamite from, which, by the way, that's not helpful in this sense. This isn't a destructive power. This is like gasoline in that it's a productive power. I mean, it'll get you down the road, okay? Um, but if, uh, but if, in order for him to emphasize the kind of power we're talking about, he not, not only says the greatness of his power, he says the immeasurable greatness of his power. Okay? This is the kind of power that we're talking about. And what we'll look at next time, again, as he's saying, this is the power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, which is what we'll look at next time. Okay? Um, but when we, when we look at this, again, this is for us who believe. Look again at, back at verse number 3 of... Uh, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. And then He goes on to describe, uh, unpack the rest of what we have in salvation. But when we're talking about the power of God towards us, um, Maybe your mind jumps back to Romans chapter 1, right? That the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Okay. Brothers and sisters, here's where we need to abide and really... Uh, let me just say, this is what I need. So join me, because I need this every day, to remember the power that is for us. Okay. Lest we become... Not completely like it is in the passage, but like people who have the form of godliness but deny its power. Do we know the power of God? Paul's prayer here for the Ephesians is that they would know that power. Experience that power. Grow in applying that power. And just in fear of redundancy, if we go back, this is the power in Jesus. This is what we have in Him, okay? But this is what Paul is praying uh, for them as he does this. So, as we are praying for our next pastor, as we're praying for ourselves, okay, 
I think this is uh, very helpful. It's very... Uh, here's, here's my experience, again, thinking about this again this week, and maybe for you. As we think about these things, it is convicting. How many of us are like Hearst? Hey, you know what? I really kind of would like to have, you know, joy. That's really... Hey, go find that because I want to I buy that. Okay, or peace... Okay, or satisfaction in whatever it is. How many of us are really like that and we forget what we have in Christ? You know, and I mean, I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm saying, how often do we settle for lesser things? You know, and it's not, a, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be a good thing, but it becomes an idol because it takes the place of God. And of course, it doesn't meet that. And, um, and I say that to say this. There's part of this that's really convicting. Really convicting um, to me. But then there's another part of it that, again, if the Holy Spirit delights again to open the eyes of our hearts to see these things, does it not thrill our souls? Isn't it a joy again to look at the face of Jesus? And in so doing, we see the face of the Father through the face of Jesus. As the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and he points us to Christ, helps us to see Jesus for who he really is. Okay. And as we're praying for a pastor, okay, we're just wanting, uh, we're praying for God's wisdom, okay, as uh, uh, for us and for them, uh, as we want to just continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. So let me go ahead and close in prayer. And I'm going to close in the same way that we started. Okay, so if you want to be looking at the text again, you can. Um, but we're just going to go ahead and close by reading the text one more time. All right. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And your goodness is so vividly displayed in you giving your son to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Lord, for the riches that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that our salvation is sure because you, Father, chose us. We thank you, Lord, for the adoption that we have in Christ and uh, Christ provided redemption for our sin through his blood. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the guarantee of the Spirit um, that we have this rich inheritance in you. Father, we pray that you would uh, work in our hearts and our minds, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Help us to press on to know Jesus. And then we pray, Lord, that as we do that, that your spirit would illumine our hearts to see him for who he really is. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us a heart of worship. In so doing, what we're asking is that you would work in us to know what the hope is to which you have called us, what the riches are that you've given to us, this glorious inheritance that we have in Christ. And Lord, that you would help us to understand, delight and lean on the immeasurable greatness of your power that you've given to us who believe. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Help us not to forget that. But help us, Lord, to delight in it and to experience it. And then, Lord, we pray that in all of these things, that then it would then uh, not only give us a heart of deep gratitude, but then motivate us to go out into our spheres of influence 
and to preach gospel unashamedly, um, that they too might come to know the power of the gospel, and that you might open their eyes to see the glory of the gospel of Jesus as well. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for your love for us, and as you have uh, uh, displayed it so vividly in giving us these riches and treasures in Christ. Help us now, Lord, we pray that uh, for the day, as it's a day of Father's Day, to, to be able to encourage our families and, um, and just um, maybe have opportunity to, to point them to Jesus as well. We pray, Lord, for these things in Christ's name. Amen.